With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Host John Troopin, uh, joined today as just about always by uh, Kate Prusser and Joe Doyle, uh, here to here to do a little rookie roundup uh, on the 2020 Mariners. Uh, at the same time that uh, we're watching the uh, what are the, a fall frenzy, I believe is what MLB is rolling with uh, for this eight game uh, March Madness style. Uh, Wednesday of baseball. Wild. Uh, fun. Yeah, it's 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 pretty fun. Are you guys? Are you guys? I mean, obviously, I think we we've got some hesitations on the format as a whole. But but are you enjoying at least just this specific moment of it? I am. I. I it does kind of remind me of March Madness. There's games going on all over the place. Atlanta and Cincinnati have decided they're going to play for three days. Yep. So they're going to play through the whole schedule. But I think it's fun. Yeah, it's fun to see everybody's attention focused towards baseball because baseball didn't even have all the attention during their season because it was mm-hmm. basketball. So mm-hmm. uh, now we've gone on to football, but they've you know cleverly picked the one day of the week football is not being played to hit us up with this huge schedule. So uh, yeah, it's, I think it's I think it's fun. I don't know that the quality of the games is what I would consider like playoff caliber baseball. I was looking at a lot of the these games and thinking like, hmm, I don't think the Mariners are that. The 2020 Mariners are that far off of a lot of these teams, but uh, some pretty pretty weak offensive showings yeah. so far. Yeah, I I think that's actually a, a very interesting point because I think you're absolutely right. Like the Mariners I mean, legitimately were not not only in in terms of quality, but in terms of record, they were not that far off of uh, of you know sneaking in here uh, you know they ended up 27 and 33 uh, the Astros ended up sneaking in at 29 and 31 um, and you know a, a lot of that was was predicated on pretty impressive and and sort of surprising steps from a lot of their young players um, so that that's where we're gonna start here today. Uh, we got a few uh, questions that we're going to talk about uh, broader, including talking about the uh, recently announced, uh, what do they call it, the Player Development Fall Instructional League? It's like a... Yeah, they're not, they're very decidedly not going with Instructional League, which I think is good because it's insulting to send a guy like uh, Jack Anderson, let alone, I mean, Joe Rizzo, Wyatt Mills. Like, it's insulting to send them to something called Instructional League. So I think they're going with Fall Development League, which is euphemistic, but whatever. Yeah, it's not It's not the Arizona Fall League. It's not the, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a weird sort of in-between land. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so, so we can talk a little bit about that, that roster as well. But uh, I, I want to first just... Uh, as before we sort of fully engross ourselves in the playoffs and the off season, uh, just do a little sort of up down on uh, you know where players are this this moment in time versus where we were uh, about those players uh, at the start of this season, and you can consider that in March, you can consider that July, um, just generally, uh, you know whether these players have progressed regressed whether you think they have more they can add um 
just sort of a, a stock check, if you will. So, so let's let's start uh, with the with the good, probably the best, uh, and and that's Kyle Lewis, who who most likely will be adding the Rookie of the Year award. Um, kind of limped into it a bit at the end, but you know, limped more rapidly than Luis Robert, um, <laughs> which is uh, is how you can win a, an award i suppose if you just walk enough you you don't your your numbers don't fall off quite as much so um you know how, how do you guys feel about kyle lewis uh, you know at this point and going forward do you think he is you think you prorate kind of what he did this year and that's a reasonable expectation for him going forward uh i think i it's weird i feel exactly how i did at the beginning of the season right now like the same right now as i did at the beginning of the season um if you would have told me at the beginning of the season that he was going to be like a like a 240 245 hitter with you know above average power someone that runs into 10 to 12 home runs over 60 games i would have said yeah that that feels about right and a you know 28 to 30 percent k rate yeah that feels about right i think more than anything i feel really good about how he can contribute in the future in the outfield, whether that be in a corner or in center. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a little frustrating because I think by the end of the year, Lewis kind of regressed back into his scouting report slot. Um, and that's a guy that's, you know, probably a 45 hit tool, 50 hit tool with, you know, above average power. And um, that's that's fine. Like, that's good. I do want to see him kind of develop a, I want to see him develop an identity next year because it seemed as though at the beginning of the year, he was somewhere in between like a really, really mature uh, hitter that would, that would go with breaking stuff the other way. And, you know, because of it, his exit velos, um, you know, were sacrificed a little bit. And then Midway through, he just started pummeling the ball, and now at the end of the year, he's striking out a whole bunch. So, for me personally, and this might not be how everybody feels, I still don't think we have any idea what Kyle Lewis is going to be as a pro. So, I'll be watching that next year. I wanted to say, um, Greg Johns ran a poll that I thought was really interesting, um, in a season filled with youth, youthful progress, which Mariners player took the most impressive step forward in 2020? And the options were J.P. Crawford, Kyle Lewis, Dylan Moore, and Justice Sheffield. And obviously Kyle Lewis won the poll with 43.3%. Um, I was wondering if you guys agreed with that because I actually uh, would not have picked Lewis in that yeah, group. I voted Dylan. I, I saw that. I voted Dylan Moore. Because... I voted Dylan Moore because I felt like as a player, as a as someone that was trying to uh, develop, like grow their ability on the field, Dylan Moore got better on defense, in my opinion. He was good the year before, but he played all over the diamond, and mm-hmm. I never mentioned his name. I thought he was great. He was hitting the ball harder. He wasn't striking out as much. He was um, you know, getting into a power stroke. He stole like 10 bases. I just thought Dylan Moore developed and grew into this well-rounded player that still might not be in a like a like a full-time regular, but he might legitimately be one of the better super utility guys in the league next year. And for me, that was just a greater development toward the future. Yeah, I, I think that. Sheffield was my answer um, just because of him sort of uh, establishing himself in in a way that it was very on the fence about whether he could he could be something or not um, and with with Lewis one I, I don't know quite how much he established himself by the end I think he really made himself someone the Mariners should try and plan around but uh, they have so much outfield depth already that uh, Sheffield, it was a little bit more of an immediate need, and I think he really locked that up much more than I expected, and that was really encouraging. I also went with Sheffield because I thought the he just showed, to me, the greatest degree of consistency. Like 
he had that rough mm-hmm. start kind of against the Angels. He had like the weird home road splits. Um, but by the end of the season, I really thought he had just kind of relaxed into the player he is. Like he is not a strikeout pitcher, but he is a weak contact pitcher. Um, I thought the changeup really came along in a pleasant and surprising way. I think that even has further to go, but it was nice to see him utilizing it. Um, the command issue, which I was so worried about, really doesn't seem to be as much of a problem, uh, especially going on through the season. So I was, I, I feel like Justice Sheffield really evolved into the player who I think he is. Dylan Moore is a good answer to uh, Joe. I didn't consider him maybe as heavily as I should have, because you're right. Like for all the hand wringing about Chris Taylor going away and and becoming Chris Taylor for the Dodgers, you know, thanks in, in no small part to the resources that the Dodgers have. Um, I feel like Dylan Moore is like the Mariners version of Chris Taylor. He's that super utility, like you said, and he really fixed his swing profile where the mm-hmm. strikeouts were concerning. And just that one small fix has made him into... I think an incredibly valuable player. Um, I really enjoy watching him run the bases. I think he's smart. Um, you know, he has good baseball instincts. Like I just, there's a real, like I was only half joking when I said, I thought that if there was an all-star game, then Dylan Moore would have been the Mariners um, representative because I just think he adds so much to the team. Yeah. If, as far as, uh, Justice Sheffield definitely would have been my second vote. The one thing that I really enjoyed about Sheffield is, yeah, the changeup got markedly better as the season went on. But I think you might recall at the beginning of the year when he was throwing that two seam, he ditched the four seam for the two seam. It was like 89 to 91, like in spring and the first couple starts of the year. And we were all like, this is not like, this won't work. This guy's got to throw something firmer and by the end of the year the two-seamer was like 91 94 I think it hit a 95 at the end of the year with some good tail on it and I mean that that works you know that's a totally different picture so yeah I think justice is would definitely be my second place vote but I think what this poll really shows is like Dylan Moore got better in just about every category justice Sheffield all of his pitches got better, including his command in just about every category. And I think with Kyle Lewis, save his defense, we don't know if he got better with you know, his contact. We don't know if his power got better than what we saw at the end of 2019. So while, yeah, he's going to win Rookie of the Year, and a lot of that is a byproduct of his power and just the sheer amount of at-bats that he got this year, I don't know if he necessarily like took the biggest step forward on the team. That that's just my opinion. I will say I I do think you know I I agree that I don't know that he took the biggest step forward. I was like I, I definitely saw new things from Kyle Lewis this year that I hadn't seen from him consistently before. Yeah. Um. And you know, I I think one of the things that was concerning was. Uh, and Joe, you wrote about this about midway through the season or a few, a few weeks into the season of like, okay, he has, you know, sort of jumped on a few balls and then he's started driving opposite field uh, sort of singles and doubles, um, adjusting to the breaking balls. He was getting a bunch, but then a little bit of concern. Okay. Is he still going to get to that power? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he ended the year uh, with, respectable but not eye-popping power numbers um but like so much of his offense was held up because yes he had a high BABIP but it was also you know he hit a good amount of line drives he sprayed the ball all over um so he was not really like easily shiftable he was still hitting you know he, he would have some weekly hit balls but he barreled the ball up plenty and he walked a ton and you could say like maybe that was going to fall off a bit but like him being a guy who walks comfortably double digits and has enough power to absolutely you know run into the ball plenty and still spray the ball like 
that is someone who you should feel comfortable starting uh, and, and putting out there and could be a starter on a good team. Um, and it a year ago, I did not know if Kyle Lewis was going to be able to be a big leaguer like consistently. And, and now I feel like that that is far more likely. Yeah. And the walks are great. Um, it's just, I, he had such a strange year, like 11 home runs and three doubles, like three doubles. He would have averaged eight doubles in an entire calendar year. Like that's, that's weird. Like there's no way, no way around it. That's just strange. Um, so yeah, I, I wrote about him like going down and getting breaking balls and off speed stuff and driving it up the middle and the other way. And, you know, I think my last paragraph in that article was at some point pitchers are going to shift back and they're going to start throwing high heaters to Lewis after the, you know, fatigue of the Verlander home run kind of wears off from film. And mm. I think that's where he really struggled. I mean, he really, really struggled with fastballs up and in uh, towards the end of the year. And, mm-hmm. you know, for a guy that has so much of his value, um, planted within his power that's going to be the biggest thing that i want to see him take a step forward on next year is if someone's you know trying to get you out by going up with heat you know go turn and burn on it do what you did with verlander and um don't you know don't guess don't guess um slow stuff with two 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 strike counts you're smart enough you're you're a mature enough hitter to react um sit fastball that would be my only thing more times than not, I would say. So we talked about Sheffield uh, a bit there. Um, let's uh, let's talk about uh, probably the most. Well, I don't want to put words in y'all's mouth, but for me, the most disappointing rookie this year, which was Evan White, um, absolutely delivered uh, with the glove. Um, you know, made multiple, made the entire defense, uh, certainly the infield and. Uh, better by uh by his presence um you know i think helped lift jp crawford up uh in particular um but really really especially by the end of the year just looked pretty thoroughly lost at the plate um i know i've seen and i've done a little bit of like well he'll he'll get better with more time but like did you guys see things that made you think Evan White is going to improve, you know, in his second bound of 200 plate appearances and, you know, in, and the, the, his first full year in the bigs. I think it's hard to imagine him not improving. I mean, he's never been a, (laughs) I don't mean that sarcastically. (laughs) I don't don't mean that. I mean, I, (laughs) no, no, I got this is rock bottom. (laughs) I don't think, he he's never been this player like he's always been an average hitter he's always been maybe an above average hitter um i don't have any reason to believe this is going to be the evan white that we settle into over the next four or five years um i you know he he had those interviews during summer camp where he was like you know i'm still trying to figure it out my swing doesn't feel right I think the entire season just caught him a little bit off guard when it revved back up so fast. And, you know, that's a lot coming from a guy that's going from double A right into the big leagues. You know, you kind of want to give him the smoothest transition you can. But yeah, I mean, he was swinging at fastballs at his eyes. He was swinging at curveballs that didn't make it to the home plate dirt. They hit the grass. Um, it was it was a mess. Um, but for everything that he did struggle with, I thought that he kind of in Zanino fashion, kept his cool. He kept his leadership qualities about him on the field. He never let it get uh, on defense. So, yeah, uh, you know, I said for the last five or six weeks, I'm really just excited for this kid to get some time off, reset, and enjoy another spring training where he can just settle in, rediscover who he is as a player, and... um He'll be all right. He, yeah, he was, he was overswinging. He, he was doing a lot of things that just aren't Evan White. Um, so it'll be very refreshing to see him get a get a blow. Yeah, that's what I come back to is like 
I've been watching Evan White for years, and I've never seen him be this bad. Like, this is not who Evan White is. It's not who he's ever been through his career. Like, he's always been a little strikeout prone, but nothing like what... I mean, that is... It is discouraging to see him up there and see him be so lost, but it's also, like... He's doing one of the hardest things you can possibly do in baseball, which is jump from double A to straight to, you know, seeing some of the best pitchers in the world. And he did have success at times. Like, I I really got to go back to some of his stat cast info. Like, he hits the ball, he hits the ball so hard, just so flipping hard. Uh, he gets so many barrels. His exit velocity is way up there. I mean, he, when he makes contact, he punishes the ball. It's just that contact issue and figuring out how he's being pitched to. And I just think not having any AAA and not having any opportunity to adjust to really quality breaking stuff was really hard for him. Um, so I, I, I'm not at all panicked about Evan White. I'm disappointed his season didn't go better just for him, but Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm not unhappy with what I saw, like, especially not with the, the defense at first base. I agree with John. If JP Crawford does win a gold glove, I think like a third of that belongs to Evan White, like maybe the last two fingers, uh, (laughs) or something because he, I mean, he makes his defenders better and I feel like that's got to, like, lift him up, too, as you can see how much they appreciate him. And I think especially Kyle Seeger, even though Kyle Seeger doesn't need it, imagine being Kyle Seeger and throwing to the likes of Danny Valencia, Adam Lind, uh, bless his heart, Deho Lee. I mean, he's <laughs> thrown to some terrible defenders over there, and now he's just got, like, a, a giant, I mean, he's, like, pitching a football into a soccer net I mean he can he can throw it anywhere so it's I just feel like there's enough positives that hopefully and White is a solid kid and I don't think he'll get too wrapped around the axle about it hopefully the Mariners great kid I've heard a great kid yeah man young man so unnecessary I know John Heyman loves picking on the Mariners for whatever reason but so unnecessary I did enjoy Hunter Bishop showing up in the reply saying, until you play, pipe down over there or whatever. <laughs> Great. Uh, you know, and the fact that he has such strong defenders, people who come to his to his defense is, you know, again, another testament of his character. He's really well-liked, even by opposing players. I mean, Colin Throw from the A's organization had so many nice things to say about him. and You know, he's going to be fine. I think, for me, the most disappointing rookie performance is done. I w- was disappointed in Justin Dunn's performance. Um, I really, really had hoped he would show a little more consistency. I still believe I'm still probably the high one on staff on Justin Dunn, but, um, yeah, it was, it was really, it, it's, I'm really worried about the command issue. He's, yeah, he's not looked like, you know, it's not like he was, I mean, LJ Newsom in uh, in uh, his time with Arkansas, but he was not a big walks guy, and he was able to be sort of aggressive with his, um, you know, aggressive with his fastball and use his breaking balls to get himself uh, swings and misses. And I don't know. I mean, the curve has not looked distinctive. And the sliders look good, but he's really just, it's it's worrying because I can't tell if it's a mechanical issue or what, but but he's not looked like the pitcher that, that we've seen he him He looks be. stiff. He looks stiff to me. Yeah. I, it just, the whole, the whole mechanism doesn't flow anymore. It's very rigid and wonky and, you know, without getting too far down the rabbit hole, it just... He, he just doesn't move like he seemingly used to. It doesn't look as easy for him. I, um, w- you know, they kept talking about how good his fastball was, and that, that really interested me because, you know, guys were hitting like 150 against his fastball or something like that. I'm just kind of pulling that out of thin air. I don't know what it ended up at, but guys were hitting 
like 150 off his fastball and he gave up like one home run against his fastball and you know the the slider I don't think has been quite what we expected it to be but I mean Kate I know you're you're really high on him but if the fastball is that good and he's supposedly the athlete that everyone says he is I just I just don't see how Seattle doesn't move him to the bullpen if they sign a starter this offseason I just I can't see him I staying think, in the. I think it's more likely for him to go to AAA and work on some stuff there. Um, just to keep him I, stretched out type of thing? I, I just feel, I think that you're right about the mechanics. Um, because he does, he does look stiffer to me. Um, and I wonder if that's just tension, like carrying tension in his body because of the stress and because... He's knowing that he really, really needs to get that command under control. And um, and then yet he's like flailing open, like he's flying open through through his delivery. And I just, it's, again, I watched a lot of him in Arkansas. I didn't think he was as polished as Sheffield. I don't expect him to be as, as polished as Sheffield. I didn't expect him to do as well as Sheffield this year. He's behind him developmentally. Um, he went to college, he went to Boston college, which I don't think is like, you know, they're good, but I don't think that it's not like going to an SEC school or something development wise. Um, you know, he had some time with the Mets. I don't know how I feel about their pitching development. Um, he comes over here. I, I mean, I just think he's, he's, he got a slower start to his career than Sheffield did, who was also being developed by the Yankees, which is one of the better development systems. So, I don't, I don't hold them up against each other or compare them. And I really resist the, I know that they feel competitive with each other and I really resist the media narrative to, to pull them up against each other because I feel like that's ultimately damaging for just, for Justin. Um, but I, I, I saw him at double A. I thought he looked like a guy who really knew how to pitch and how to get guys out. And he was able to use his slider a lot more effectively. And he just looked nastier. He looked more in control. He looks tense and tentative on the mound to me. Um, and I think things aren't going as well as they want, as he wants them to. And it's stressful. So I think a little bit of time in Tacoma, maybe some time resetting some of those mechanics and just doing the mental work on that side to be like to get back to who he was at double a so again much like i don't think evan white is the version of evan white we saw is not a version of evan white i saw in the minors this is not uh the version of of justin dunn that he was at arkansas and so he's just got to figure out how to get back to because when he's on he has a swagger he's He's a little nasty. He's got a little fire. Like you, there was none of that on the mound this year, and I, I think he has to get back to that vision of himself in order to be really successful. I still believe in it because I don't think it's a talent thing. I think it's a mental thing. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, let's see. We got a, we got a few other uh, here. Let's let's take as a package. Uh, couple outfielders um we've got jake fraley and Braden bishop both of whom i think were sort of we were thinking might get a more extended look this year um fraley in particular was was you know talked about as like oh we're gonna play jake fraley every day um you know and i think he had uh was it a stomach issue during summer camp and then uh, ended yeah. up he had the flu, didn't he? Yeah, and he lost yeah. a bunch of weight. Yeah, and uh, you know, understandably, they took it slow with him getting back, but uh, eventually came up, and then struggled a bit, and then got hurt again, um, and then came back. Got yeah, just I mean, really, just a halting season for Fraley, uh, and for Bishop. You know, it was it was kind of. You know, the same sort of thing of, yep, he seems like he's dominating the minors, but they he's not necessarily getting much play in the bigs. Um, I mean, do either of these guys 
factor into a starting, you know, the start of next season for the Mariners uh, for you guys. And I'm, I'm saying specifically the start because I think we both are, we, we all rather, I think, are expecting Jared Kelnick not to break camp with the team. Yeah, if they've held him down for this long, like, yeah, they'll do whatever it takes to get that extra year of control, I guess, which is gross, but moving on. Um, I was very encouraged to see Braden Bishop hit some balls hard in that last series. Was it against Oakland? Well, he was finally getting to play some. Yeah. Yeah, he had a few over 100 miles an hour, which was great to see because, uh, first of all, he was hitting the ball. I think that's the best I've ever seen Braden Bishop look as a pro. Um, I'm really mad that they're not giving him some run. I wish that they would just trade him if they're going to, like, not give him a chance to play ever. Um, Because I think, you know, he needs playing time. He needs reps, and Mm -hmm. he's just had so many fits and starts and part of that, too, is is him just getting absolutely so unlucky with the injuries. I mean, he could have died from that lacerated spleen. Uh, that is terrifying. Was so, that in 2018? That was, yeah. No. That was, that was no, last year. That was 2019. 20, 2018, yeah. he had the broken forearm yes. uh, right at the end of the minor league season. When he could have gotten called up. And then 2019, he finally did, and he got the lacerated spleen. So, yeah, I don't know what... Um, karmically is out to get Braden Bishop, but I will like, I don't know, burn some sage for him or something. Um, so yeah, I would just, I would lo- really like to see them give him some regular run. I think, I, I think Jake Fraley would have been a good trade candidate, except he couldn't stay on the field either. And when he was up, he was not looking great. Don't know what's going wrong there. Uh, the Hanager light prediction that uh, John made early on in that trade is not looking so good yeah john (laughs) john was so excited about jake fraley and we're getting we've gotten the like weird (laughs) series of injuries part of the hanager we have not gotten the fraley's been the all-star thing fraley's been bad but the real problem here is john (laughs) Uh, and i feel like Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would rather see Bishop over Fraley. I think they'll probably give Fraley uh, chances. Who knows? I, I mean, if you're not going to play Braden Bishop, trade Braden Bishop. That's, that's all I, I have to say about that. A lot of teams could use a defensively plus, plus, plus center fielder. I have no idea why I've 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 spewed this over the internet for weeks. I don't We've know. We've been why meaning Brandon to talk to you about your internet spewing, Jeff. I don't yeah. There's been it's been just a lot of spewage. I don't know why Braden Bishop Philip Irvin! Sorry, I don't I just understand. Had it. to get out that off my chest. I'll give you Philip Irvin. No! No, no don't give, give him you, to no, me. I don't want I'll, him. Take him I back. Will, <laughs> I will I will lend you Philip Irvin. I don't understand why Jose Marmaleos was playing the field. There's an open DH spot. Tim Lopes was DHing with Marmaleos in the field. And granted, when you put Tim Lopes out there, no offense to Tim Lopes, it wasn't much better. So I, you know, apparently Braden Bishop had five home runs in Tacoma at the alternate site. Why, you know, you drafted this guy. You developed this guy. He is the definition of a success story or a potential success story for your organization. He's a local kid and I'm not a Husky and he's a local kid. Why is he not playing? It doesn't make any sense to me. And, and I know that this shouldn't impact playing time, but I don't know. I mean, if you're not going to do it in 2020, when are you going to do it? But like, he's an outspoken advocate of his black teammates. Everyone loves him. Everyone loves him. Like he is. He cuts. He he's the clubhouse barber. Yes. He yeah. Is. I mean, he has so much value that is not tied to what he does on the field, even. And I mean, I just and feel also, like he's twenty-seven. Yeah, he's not a young guy anymore. No, let him play. This Free is not, Braden Bishop. This is not uh, uh, Boog Powell. You know. This is this is all right. All right. What we're not going to do is talk any shit on Boog Powell. (laughs) I'm not talking. No, I'm I'm just saying like Boog Powell got moved and never really got his shot. Braden, but he was like 25 when he got moved. Like if you're moving Braden now, he's going to be 27, 28 years old. Like 
I don't know. Yeah, give look, give this guy. He's a, a shot. year away from becoming like a minor league free agent, and then the Mariners will sign him because then he'll be interesting uh, as a minor league free agent. But it's as like a player, they have so they first have to let him become Dylan Moore, and then they'll be interested uh, and and bring him back. It's uh, just it's frustrating when the last three weeks of the year. You know, Mike Blowers pulls up the lineup screen, and there's four guys at the bottom batting 170, and somehow Braden Bishop is not with the team. Like I just, that that was my biggest takeaway over the last month of the season is, why is this guy not, you know, doing his young pitchers a favor and playing left field? But I digress. Anyways, I think he should be the fourth outfielder next year at the beginning of the year. Absolutely. Um. Let's let's go uh, quick fire through a few of the other other pitchers here. A um, couple bullpen names um, or sort of bullpen filler kind of names. Uh, we saw a debut from Joey Gerber. We saw a debut from Johan Ramirez. Uh, we saw a debut from Aaron Fletcher. Um, are those guys people that you think the team should be? Um, I mean, not like they're just gonna cut bait on anyone but you know i did you see enough from from those three to feel like there was something more there was was there someone who was more discouraging or or more encouraging there i think johan is clearly the best arm i i don't think there's any doubt about that i mean maybe i'm wrong but um dude was striking out people like like crazy um and it's clear the team got more confidence in him as the season went by throwing him out there at any point after sitting him, I think they sat him for like 10 days in a row um, in the first couple weeks of the year. So I think he's certainly going to be a guy that the team leans on. Uh, for for me personally, uh, Gerber is going to have to get back to getting the life on his fastball because he was like 92 to 94 and it didn't have any life. Um, so yeah, it, he, he wasn't as good as I was expecting him to be out of the gate. So I hope he gets back to the stuff that we saw out of double a, I'm just going to give Aaron Fletcher a pass because I don't know what was going on there. I think he's clearly a better pitcher than what we saw. And I, I mean, LJ was what we thought he was going to be, right? I mean, he's a fun, you know, quad a guy that can make spot starts. I, that's, that's a valuable piece. Yeah, LJ was a little worse than I was hoping for. I was maybe that's just an adjustment thing and he'll bounce back, but um it was disappointing to see. Like I think he maybe just needs like one more pitch or some refinement on one of his the was it the changeup that was looking so bad? The slider. The slider. Yeah, it was oof, They were both boy. Oh, they were both. Not, they were both rough. Yeah, they were both. The, cha- the changeup had some like okay, but it was not like a real swing and miss pitch. Yeah, and that, it had to be because the slider was so bad. And yeah, it's not that. Yeah, and we were told he was working on a cutter at Tacoma. I failed to see the cutter, so uh, we'll give that. I uh, the best I can do for him is an incomplete grade. Uh, same with Fletcher. I don't know what went wrong with that, but I'm um, just gonna not dwell on that. Uh, I agree that I was disappointed about with Gerber's lack of, of swing and miss stuff. Um, I don't think that the, the deceptive windup fools as many major league hitters as we were maybe hoping it would. Um, so the stuff itself is going to have to do the talking. Um, and Johan, I love Johan. I love him as a person. I love his pogoing off the mound when he gets a strikeout. I love him so much. Um, I love how much he seems to love baseball and uh, his passion for the game and how invested he was in a season where uh, at times it was hard to be invested as a fan, but I always cared when he came on. I really, really, really hope they can help him figure out the command stuff because his walk rate is atrocious. I mean, he walks as many guys as he strikes out and you I gotta pull up his. That. I gotta pull up his stats because... He, if I remember correctly, had like one of the in, most insane FIP to ERA splits that I think I've ever seen. Yeah, Just, I mean, that happens when you strike out seven batters and walk seven batters or whatever. I believe he also are. stranded a cool 93.8%, <laughs> which is a he great got look. so lucky sometimes yeah. with... Yeah. 
uh, and, you know, bailed out by his defense a couple of times. I still remember that pop out in one of the games. Maybe it was against the Padres. I can't remember. Um, but it, he was in some big trouble. I believe he had loaded the bases and was going to uh, have the save slash win slip away. And he got a pop out and he went charging off the mound to go like he was going to go catch it himself. And Kyle Seager was oh, like, yeah. no, no, no. I think that was no, in no, Houston. Yeah. I, was that it? I recapped that it, but I can't totally remember what it was. Check out check out these splits. So a 6.05 FIP, which is really bad. Awful. A 6.77 XFIP, which is <laughs> markedly worse. His ERA was 2.6. The average exit velo was 87. He only had a ground ball rate of 13%. But he K'd 11.3 per inning and walked almost a batter an inning. I mean, just the weirdest year. It's just all or nothing. Yes, that is very I mean, much how I would yeah. describe Johan Ramirez. Well, and, and I think the the big thing was, right, this was, this was the hardest year. He had to get through this year. Yes. And now he can be in the bigs if, you know, if the M's decide that. But now the M's can also, like, say, all right, like, Johan, you're going to go to Tacoma. You're going to, like, we're going to work on some specific things here. Like, it's going to be... Uh, you know, we know you have the stuff. Now we want you to tweak this. Now we want you to, you know, can you work on this? And like, now he can be in the minors and get a little bit more like low intensity yeah. stuff get with coaching. the knowledge of like, once you're, once you get these things refined, you're going to be right back up here and you're going to be helping this team. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I mean, that's like the rate of just like straight up return a guy on rule fives is pretty high. So even this is, is already right. What a great year to have a rule five too. When you only have to carry him for 60 games. I wish we had filled up on more rule five guys. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This guy is, I think a definite, he's a better arm than what they got in Brandon Brennan. Um, But I mean, a 2.6 ERA, 11.3 strikeouts per nine. And he still managed a negative 0.2 F war. So just like the strangest line yeah. ever, but I I really like him. The uh, Seattle's gonna have a lot of fun with that, with what they could have in the bullpen next year. They're gonna have like five guys throwing ninety seven, ninety eight. Yeah, I mean, because what you got Ramirez, you got Munoz should be back. Graveman, I'm, um, sh- I'm sure will be back. Yeah, um, and then I mean, if Herson Batista is able mm-hmm. to figure out his breaking ball, that's something. You know, it's good to have Herson Batista can have the. Band- the Dan Altavilla Memorial. If he only figures out the slider, <laughs> um, then he, you know, he's throwing ninety-eight. It must work. Surely it will work. Uh, roll, but uh, no, I, I, and Hurston actually looked pretty, uh, even more interesting. Uh, like he had made some tweaks uh, in spring training. Obviously, it was sort of hard to tell in depth, but spring training one point So, um, so yeah, the, I think that is a, an interesting group. Uh, the last person I want to touch on, and then we'll we'll do some listener questions here real quick. Um, what are your think? What are you guys thinking uh, about Nick Margavich's going forward? Is this were you encouraged enough to say, all right, there's six rotation spots next year. One of those should be for Nick Margavich's, or do you think, um, you know, he's he's the first guy out. I don't know if he's necessarily the first guy out, but I think he fits that role of the guy that you keep stretched out and you throw in the bullpen and you, you know, put him out there in a blow up game or you put him out there in a bullpen day or, um, you know, if someone goes down with an injury, you, you slot him back into the back into the rotation. But I think in a perfect world, he's probably not in Jerry's top five or even top six come like next you know, July 1st, maybe. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's a really good piece to have. I think he's a valuable piece to have, but I don't think he's, um, you know, I don't think you want him in your rotation if you're going to make a push for a World Series. I would say that. He's probably like a like a roll 45 guy, kind of a spot starter, long relief type of role. Well, just a, a bump up from LJ. I was surprised at how much... Um coverage Nikki Marge got in like 
like in the graphics and stuff, it would be like Sheffield Dunn and Nick Markavichis. It's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> um, you're not a prospect. Did but... you hear us talking about you? <laughs> <laughs> it's like he just kind of snuck into the frame. But yeah, he got a lot of attention. Um, they seem to like him. So I find his stuff just moderately okay. I mean, it works because he mixes his pitches and, you know, he knows how to pitch. But I wonder if they feel like they can amp up something in his repertoire. They sure seem to like him. And I mean, he was pretty good for... I don't know that the Padres entirely know what they're doing with pitching development. Let's be honest about that. Like, uh, anyone following what Chris Paddock has done so far in the... I believe he gave up looks four, good. four runs <laughs> in the first... Yeah, Paddock is very uh, perplexing to me because sometimes he'll be good and other times it just looks like everyone has him totally figured out. Um, so I don't... I just, I have questions. I have questions. Um, so I don't know. Maybe there's something really interesting hiding in Nikki Marge that some better development can unlock. Um, I, th- I thought he was great for 2020, though. Just exactly very consistent. Really enjoyed recapping his starts because I knew things wouldn't get out of control. I enjoy his stick out ears so much. Like, he looks like Happy Baby New Year from Rudolph's Shiny New Year special, <laughs> animation special. And I find that adorable. Uh, yeah, he, I mean, it was deeply encouraging. And it's nice to have that guy, like the, the sort of fill-in guy, be a 24, 25-year-old, like, big lefty, as opposed to being, like, literally Tommy Malone. Like, you know, just it's just a lot more interesting and a lot more like, OK, maybe we've got something here. Um, so so I appreciated that at, at the minimum, if nothing else. Um, all right. Well, before let's, we do listener questions, oh, yes. can we just do a little bit on the fall league? Um, yes. So we, we got a decent question um, from Mariners Luke. And I was just going to flow that right okay. into the, onto the overall. So. Uh, Luke at Mariners underscore Luke on Twitter asked, how many games is this league? The, uh, the developmental fall league, uh, will it be streamed anywhere? Are we going to see a pretty set lineup or pretty rotational? So guys get even reps. Uh, and I can answer the first two real quick, uh, 24 games. It's over six weeks. Uh, the PR release said, what days the games were, but I can't remember specifically. Uh, and then it doesn't seem as though it was streamed anywhere. At least the Mariners are not allowing media, uh, which sucks. Uh, they're also not allowing fans. Um, potentially, yeah. I mean, this. so this league, it's a four-team league that the Mariners, the Padres, the Rangers, and the Royals are orchestrating at their, uh, you know, the Mariners and the Padres share their spring training facility. The Rangers and the Royals share their spring training facility, so uh, it's nearby and surprise. So they'll be headed there. Uh, however, um, I don't, I don't really know. I, I mean, on this list, and, and we don't have to read off the entire list, but were there were there some names in particular that stood out? My expectation would be a lot. It'll probably skew towards the older players playing more, and that a lot of the like younger guys. Um, some of the like se- literally 17 year olds and 18 year olds are going to be there a little bit more for the like to be there for high performance camp and to like maybe have a few game reps, but mostly like get accustomed with uh, with some of the higher level players in the organization. Yeah, uh, the, the younger guys are definitely the ones I'm most intrigued by, like Milcar Perez. Uh, I'm really excited to kind of see what they have in him and. George Feliz, I'm really excited to kind of see what he brings to the table. But Corey, Corey Brock wrote a really interesting, uh, you know, kind of article today on on the Player Development Fall League. And he talked a little bit more about Want Then and how Want Then was, you know, 97, 98. Had, we had talked about that in Gas Camp pre-2019. And apparently at Tacoma, he was averaging 96 with the fastball, which... Uh, he's going to have to be added to the, to the 40 man for the rule five this year, assuming none of that gets changed, uh, would not stun me at all. If we see one then in the bullpen for the Mariners next year, not, not even a little bit. Yeah. He's a guy who's been up 
mid to upper 90s and you know he's a smaller guy which absolutely doesn't preclude people from starting anymore and we're we're sort of seeing more and more of recognition that you know smaller guys can absolutely be very effective starters but it's still durability wise can be easier for uh sort of skinny smaller guys to just go to the bullpen and let it rip you know every other day I would love to see him. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not discounting his ability to be in the rotation no, I know. for sure. That's just probably where they'll need him. Right. Well, and it just makes sense just on that timeline. Yeah. Of if you need to keep him from getting rule five, you're going to have him on the 40 man anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, sure, he can probably start in um, where, I mean, Modesto or maybe even Arkansas. But uh, yeah, you probably want him ready to try and. Come out of the bullpen, at least on occasion. Yeah. How about I, uh, you, Kate? Uh, are there are there some, some names you're particularly excited to, you know, see I is not necessarily the right word. I don't know how much we'll actually see yeah, them. Yeah, disappointing. But, but maybe hear little bits and pieces about um, and, and have some, some sort of actual uh, interaction with. Uh, I mean... I'm holding back on being excited until I see whether we get anything out of this or not. Um, I'm hoping there will at least be like a couple of Instagrams or something. I mean, I'm sure the Mariners will probably send their own person down there. Like I said, it's hard to get anything substantive when it's being run by the PR arm of a, of an organization, which is a lot of in a lot of ways that's also kind of what we got out of Tacoma I feel so um I'm trying to adjust my expectations um like Joe I'm really excited mostly to get any kind of inkling about the guys we just haven't seen like Nathaniel Garabitos um oh I forgot about your boy Garabitos yes Garabitos Garabitos Fireball. Rock me, Garavitos. Um, Nobody's safe in the stadium. <laughs> I am. I'm excited to have like those guys. Obviously, we know my pet project favorite is Jonathan Classe, who I'm just excited about having him show up, all just completely yoked and uh, hopefully destroying some baseballs. Um, so yeah, definitely those guys. Um, also like Michael Limoncelli and Levi Stout and guys who have been hurt. Um, I'm really excited for them. Sam Carlson, uh, really excited for them to get their careers kind of back on track. So that's what is most exciting. And in that way is even more exciting than a fall league would be because otherwise these would just be, you know, they'd have these guys at the complex probably working out. They'd be doing their, um, high performance camp or whatever but we wouldn't actually get to see them in game action so that that's really exciting yeah i it is hard to get properly excited without knowing if we'll have really any access other than like a team report internal report of them putting out whatever it is they want which is you know kind of what we got from the alternate site for the most part where it's like this is not useful really in any way for us as like an external group to appraise what is happening. Yeah. Highlight reels um, don't do it, man. Exactly. Can you, you know, imagine and, a highlight reel of like Carlos Baguero? People would think he's the greatest <laughs> player. Oh my God. Um, he did it again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I, and I mean, I am, I am, we don't really have a great answer for Luke on terms of like how the lineups are going to break down, but it's like, you got to imagine it's not going to be like, I think it'll be rotational. Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be rotational. I do think it'll skew more heavily towards some of the older guys because like, you're not going to necessarily, like you're not sending Taylor Trammell down there to like, to lift. Yeah, to lift. Like, I think they have something specific. Like, Julio Rodriguez probably plays almost every day because they need to get him reps and he didn't get to play in the alternate site. Yeah. Uh, Dom Thompson-Williams probably plays a fair bit. Maybe plays some first base, too. Who knows? Taylor Schimmel, I think they have a specific thing that they are, like, trying to work with him adjustment-wise on. Like, because, like, otherwise, you know, guys had parts of two years in double a like and he would have been there again this year like yeah he's there's something you know, there's something george, george felice has is turned 18 uh you know 
a week ago and is never played a professional game. Like same thing with Corniel, same thing with Cardozo. Like that's not a super useful matchup if Taylor Trammell's just getting a bunch of reps against seventeen and eighteen year olds. So like yeah, there's gotta be something specific that they that they're gonna try and rotate. And maybe that's even orchestrated with the other teams where it's like Oh I'm okay, sure we're gonna have like shifts on, you know, now we're bringing in our B team, so you bring in your B team. So Yeah, but I'm we'll sure see. it'll probably be like grouped into like you're not gonna have the DSL guys. I, I bet all the DSL guys will kind of like play together. You're not gonna mm-hmm. run them out against like a team's top forty pro you know, their top one hundred prospect grouping. I I mean I guess you could, but I don't see how that would be helpful for anyone, so I'd like to analyze the other rosters, actually. I should do yeah. that. Sit down yeah. and look at, like, who the Rangers are inviting, who the Royals and Padres are inviting, and try to figure out some fits. Uh, yeah, I think that would be very interesting. I also want to give a shout-out to Jared Bayless, who is our uh, podcast guest, was our podcast yeah. guest. and friend of the pod. Yeah, please go back and listen to that pod if you missed it. He has, If you like pitching, he has some really super smart things to say um i was really excited to see him get an invite to camp because mm-hmm. uh you know he was kind of a late round pick uh what does it say here 33rd round selection in uh-huh. the 2019 draft youch he got yeah, like round five... that probably won't exist yes he got like future. five innings or something into in the azl and maybe 10 in tacoma or in yeah. um, everett so I didn't know if he if they were gonna invest in him or not, and they are. So I'm really happy to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go to a question from uh, William Ash Redford the Fourth uh, at Avery H Pierce on Twitter. Uh, we talked a little bit about this. What are you hoping to see from Tremel? Uh, but also, uh, something I actually would love to hear from you guys. Besides Noel V. Marte, what infielders are you high on? Um, and this can be in the performance camp, but I think also can really stretch throughout the organization. Um, are, are there infielders that you guys are particularly high on? Hmm. That is a good question. Uh, as far as I'm going to make my answer on Tremel really, really short. Um, I I don't really expect to see anything from him like at this instructional thing. Um, frankly, like I think the instructional thing is really, really way more catered to just like that, just player development, and not for the fans. I I don't think it has anything to do with that. Like I don't think we'll see very much. So I'll be basing my evaluations on Tremel in spring training and next season. Um, but as far as what infielders I'm looking at, I already mentioned his name. I think Milcar Perez um, could be a pretty exciting player for the organization. He's a long ways away. I mean, he's like 2024 20, for sure. But um, he's kind of the guy I've got my eyes on. I think he's got a really big arm. And from everything that I've read, I haven't seen any video from him. But from everything that I've read, um, sounds like he's got a pretty good hit tool too. So I think he's going to be one to watch. Yeah, I'm excited to uh, get more. Like, literally, we have nothing on Milcar Perez. These are guys who were names on, like, a DSL roster. Like, very little. And the guys who are big Instagrammers will help us out with that. Like, they post stuff, but he is not one of them. Uh, So, it's just very... Have seen very, very little of Milcar Perez. So, hopefully that that will change. Um, I Can like I... Patrick Frick, so he's, Ooh, good one. yeah, he's just, uh, I think he's a little bit forgotten because he was a 2019 draftee and he played in Tacoma or why do I keep calling it that Everett? He played in Everett, uh, which still exists for now. <laughs> um, he played in Everett. He, he's just like a, you know, solid hit tool guy, solid, uh, um, walk to strikeout ratio which you know i love i love a player with good plate discipline so he's fun i want to i want to add one really quick just because i totally forgot about him i i really liked what i saw from kaden polkovich uh, in the in the summer camp i thought he didn't look like he was overmatched um he went up there fearless made some really good swings on the ball um i don't know if he's a second baseman or a third baseman or a center fielder or where he's going to end up but um 
I don't know. I, I liked what I saw for a guy that was drafted, you know, four weeks before he was told he was going to be batting against Logan Gilbert. <laughs> yeah, I thought even at the, when it was the whole team together and he was facing like the A team, like the yeah, Justice Sheffields and Justin Dunn's, he really. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, he looked, he looked. He looked, he looked comfortable. He looked more comfortable than like Zach Deloach, um, which, yes, you know. Yes, I would definitely agree with we that. We barely saw it. But he looked comfortable. Yeah, he's definitely got the attitude. Yeah, it's a it's a tough group to be too excited about beyond beyond those uh, that that you guys sort of address. Just because like we've either spent a lot of time with them, like Joe Rizzo, uh, and and sort of have a reasonable you know there's not a ton they can necessarily prove here, or uh, you know like you guys said like we're we're pretty unfamiliar with what changes they've made here. Um, I am reasonably uh, excited about Tyler Keenan, um, who I, but you know, that hasn't really changed since the draft. That's just, you know, it's a big guy who can hit and who has enough power that that can absolutely be a carrying tool. So uh, we'll see. I mean, it really is still an organizational challenge. their sort of middle infield depth. So, uh, so we'll we'll see how that how that fills out in the in the sort of middle minors right now because it's all pretty much on the forty man other than Noelvi uh, in terms of up the middle uh, and Polkovich I guess. Um, let's go to uh, a question. Uh, well, we got a question uh, from Auber A U B R at A U B. R R R R R. Nice. R R R was taken. I get it. <laughs> yeah, you know it, it's a uh, it's tough sometimes, <laughs> uh, and it's a it's a pretty simple one. Uh, no Kelnick, uh, and, and this is in reference to the fact that uh, you know this this whole evergreen group... question. Evergreen <laughs> question. I was gonna say yeah, it could be no Kelnick this year in the bigs, but it also could be no Kelnick here in the instructional camp. Uh, due to the nature of the uh, call for questions we put out, uh, it is the latter. No Kelnick in this camp. Also no Logan Gilbert, uh, no Brandon Williamson, um, no George Kirby. So uh, some of, sort of the top, top prospects uh, outside of Julio Rodriguez and Taylor Trammell. I, I mean, I guess no LV Marte. Uh, really just sort of a, a mixed, mixture of yes and no for this group. So... Uh, it is interesting, and I don't, I don't totally know um, the 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 reasoning behind it. My guess would be just a level of competition thing, but uh, I don't know if you guys have other suggestions. Oh, I think. I've... Oh, oh sorry. Um, Austin Shenton also isn't on this roster, which is curious to me because again, uh, he's somebody who. I, I think is a pretty recent draftee who they've moved pretty quickly and been really aggressive with. They must really like him. Um, I'm sure for him, probably it's just having a spell, like getting a, a little rest um, and bringing along some of these guys who didn't have anything resembling a, any kind of a season. So I think that that's similar with Kelnick. I, I think part of it is the competition level. Like we're not sending totally MLB adjacent guys out other than like Jack Anderson and Wyatt Mills who were um, weren't invited to the alternate training site so they could use the reps but I don't I think that they're leaving off a lot of those guys who are just maybe giving them a rest before spring training yeah you pretty much hit the nail on the head I've heard that it's mostly just they rode these guys really hard at the uh alternate site for two months you know there were days when these guys were getting eight nine ten at bats against upper tier competition and you know they were getting they were getting in workouts and it was a grind down there so more than anything it's just getting them a break that's i mean there's really nothing to like read into it about it almost all these guys are just getting a break so it makes sense yeah well uh, that is, I think, where we're going to call it uh, for, for this episode. Um, 
hopefully uh, we'll be able to get some info on the league. Uh, it starts, uh, I believe, in a few days here. Um, October 1st, if I'm not mistaken, actually. So uh, <laughs> tomorrow. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll hope... I actually have the thing up with the little... I can tell you exactly when it starts. Uh, yeah. Yes, I it does start October first, and it will run through Sunday, November eleventh. And they'll Perfect. play on. They'll play actual games Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Fridays, Saturdays, Naturally. at either Peoria or Surprise. Mondays and Thursdays they'll will be camp days, and Sundays will be off. So. Yeah. So they are not allowing fans in but if you're an intrepid arizonan uh with uh mask and also binoculars and some climbing equipment <laughs> uh, i'm trying to think of what the setup is like i don't think peoria is at all amenable to peering to in peering in no. angels in the outfield style yeah. yeah because the outfield is there's a berm beyond it and then it's gated and yeah. it's like it's built up and then there's like a walkway under it so i don't even think if you like climb the fence yeah i was gonna say it is like it's it's like a ground level field like some of them like the arizona um not arizona the uh yeah, actually, oh, what was it? surprise is um, surprises dip down a little bit. Mm. It's a it's set in. So if you, I'm trying to think about how that one is laid out. I think that one there might be a possibility to go stand at a gate and be able to catch a little bit of it. Also, because if you have a blimp, also a blimp. It's true. If you're in Goodyear. But no drones. Yeah. Right? No drones. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, you know, New Mexico's big on the hot air balloon thing. You could pop over there, grab one. Oh, you don't know. Uh, <laughs> don't use pop over there with a hot air balloon. <laughs> well, no, fair point. Fair point. Arizona uh, has a lot of hot air balloons. What are you Yeah, but you don't about? want to pop anywhere. Well, no, know, no, but... you don't. But I mean, I'm saying if you want a hot air balloon, like you don't have to go to New Mexico for it. Arizona has plenty. All right. Well, we've give, I think we've given you plenty of legal, <laughs> oh, no. legal opportunities. Where are we at? And this, this is holds exactly up. where it goes off the rails every when, time. When they yeah. play this episode in court, uh, <laughs> you're welcome. We regret nothing. Uh, I uh, will talk to you all soon. Uh, and until next time, go Mariners. Bye. Bye.